says excuses, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. In the summer, it's too hot, and in the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it's up to the mountains or down to the beach or to visit some old friend. Or just to stay home and kind of relax and hope some of the kin folks will start dropping in. Well, the church benches are too hard, and that choir sings way too loud. Boy, you know how nervous you get when you're sitting in a great big crowd. The doctor told you now you better watch them crowd. They'll set you back. But you go to that old ball game because you say it helps you to relax. Well, a headache Sunday morning and a backache Sunday night. But by work time Monday morning, you're feeling quite all right. While one of the children has a cold, pneumonia, do you suppose? Why, the whole family had to stay home. Just to blow that poor kid's nose. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil is fighting. If from church you stay away, when people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Well, the preacher, he's too young, and maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, and maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet. Like. Sometimes it gets too loud. He needs to have more dignity, or else he's way too proud. Well, the sermons, they're too long, and maybe they're too short. He ought to preach the word with dignity instead of stomp and snort. Well, that preacher we've got must be the world's most stuck-up man. Well, one of the ladies told me the other day... Well, he didn't even shake my hand! It's music, it's music, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them if the church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them That was fun. I actually, uh, yesterday at our yard sale, uh, Mark Barnett Jr. said, Pastor, you ever heard this song? And so he played that for me, and I said, man, it's been one of those weeks where God just gives you everything you need for illustrations. I got an email this week I'm going to share with you later. And uh, so anyways, I, uh, I, I said, that just fits. That, is, that goes right with our message today. So with that said, if you would take your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're continuing our study. And if you would, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be in two verses this morning. Two verses. Verse 12 and verse 13. Uh, before we actually begin to read uh, a little bit into that text this morning, uh, I do want to bring some clarification uh, to the announcements, a couple of the announcements this morning. Uh, Brother Mike said I would, so I will. A um, 
couple of things. First off, uh, and I know Mike knows this, when he and I sat and actually uh, he went to a little seminar and got some of these uh, stats and information and things like that, and we, we met over this idea, and I know he understands this, but the promises there in Malachi are, are not to the church. It was to Israel, and that's context. But here's what we're talking about. The principle. The principle. There's a need. And uh, we, a lot of us, grow things. I don't care if you've got three tomato plants, you want to bring a few, that's fine. And the table is available, whosoever will let them come. All right? Uh, again, we just felt like after talking about this, there's definitely uh, a need. And it's a, just a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity to share amongst ourselves uh, those things that will help all of us. So I don't want you to feel like, well, I didn't grow anything, I shouldn't take anything. No, no. This is for our family. This is for the church family. And then whatever's left, we will take it to those others uh, beyond. We've got further phases that will come into play that will branch out beyond us. But, uh, but anyway, just wanted to, to bring some clarification there and uh, hope that uh, you will partake in that. Uh, care groups and new members class, uh, that first meeting does start June 3rd, but we're going to all be here. So I want to make sure that everybody understands Sunday night, that first Sunday night, we're going to meet here, we'll go through... Uh, some of the things that will be happening in both the new members class as well as the care group. So invite everybody uh, here for that as well. Uh, also, Wednesday night you heard about the business meeting. Please come. We need, we, if we don't have a quorum, we can't have the business meeting, and we're already uh, on our second month here So uh, as far as being behind. So we need to get that knocked out. And what I'm going to do to help you out with that is, is we're going to do a short devotion, and then the remaining time we'll focus on the business. So, uh, so get here. 7 o'clock. Um, so uh, that's when we'll, we'll try and begin. Uh, and um, also the Romania missions trip need. Uh, I know he mentioned they need, they need somebody this summer. But also keep in mind, we as a church family are going next summer. I didn't want any confusion with that. But obviously they need some folks this summer. So if you feel led to go, go. Uh, but we'd certainly love to have you as well next summer. So anyway, hopefully that uh, brings some clarification to some of the announcements this morning. Let's turn our heart and mind towards the things of God and the Word of God. As you remember, we've been studying through 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul has sent Timothy back. Um, he's written from Corinth, and um, he's gotten a report back from Timothy. Everything's going pretty good, and so uh, Paul's writing to bring encouragement, going through a number of things we've looked at thus far. But today, he focuses on something different. And so I want us to look at these two verses today, and I have three quick points. Notice, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Would you all stand for the reading of God's Word? And we urge you, brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Father, I ask and pray that you give me liberty to preach this morning this subject. I pray that your word would go forth unhindered that it would have free course to the heart of every listener. And Father, we pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
that today would be their day of repentance, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, thank you for your word, how it instructs us, how it encourages us, and Lord, help us to be the people you have called us to be. We give you the praise, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, My Responsibility. Now, you heard in the song, and it was kind of cute, excuses, and we all have them. We all offer them up. And we all have mountaintops, and we all have valleys. And I know in our spiritual walk, sometimes we seem to be on fire for Jesus, and other times it's almost like, Jesus who? We all go through this. Nobody said it was going to be easy. And yet we're told in the Word of God to daily, daily take up our cross and follow Him. It means dying to self. And it's a struggle. Today, uh, the subject is not one I would prefer personally to preach on. In fact, I'm going to be on vacation next week, Lord willing. And I, I kind of almost thought about uh, saving it and letting the preacher who comes in preach this text. <laughs> But here's what I want to do, and and this is something that as I was studying and preparing, uh, and again, this is titled appropriately because it's my responsibility. But yet it applies to all of us as we'll see as we go through this text. But one thing the Lord kept encouraging me with is to teach and preach this, is to share that as as you look at this text, as we go through this, I don't want us to think about Jeremy, your pastor, Jeremy. I want us to think about the office. The office of a pastor. And that's why it's hard for me to talk about when you're in that office. But again, this is the Word of God. And so let's just look at it as it is, the Word of God. And let's hear from God's Word as to this office, the office of a pastor. My responsibility as a shepherd to labor with the sheep, to lead the sheep, and to admonish the sheep. Well, let's look at point one. Labor with the sheep. Paul says that we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. Notice that phrase, among you. That word labor is a Greek word. It's kapleo. It means to grow weary. It means tired. It means exhausted with toil or burden or grief. Part of my responsibility as a shepherd to the sheep is to labor with them, to labor among them to a point of weariness. And I can tell you, and anyone, Pastor Dean understands this, any of you who've walked in the shoes of a pastor... It may not be the physical labor that many of you endure day in, day out, but I can tell you, it's a very grievous work at times. There are many nights where I awake in the middle of the night where I am burdened for one of you. God puts one of you on my heart, and and sometimes it's because I know of circumstances that you're going through. Other times I have no idea, but I know that God's bringing you to heart, bringing you to mind, and I know I have a responsibility to pray. As a shepherd seeking to protect the sheep, 
I don't know oftentimes the dangers that are facing you in your life. And, and I can tell you, the heart of a pastor is often broke when those sheep go astray. You know, we talked before, the Apostle John said, I love nothing more than to hear that my sheep walk, that they, that they walk in truth. And that my children would walk in truth. John says that, and, and I know, I know the heart of that shepherd because I, there's nothing more that I love than to hear that you're walking in truth. But oftentimes, people go astray. People go down the wrong path. Laboring, that word laboring, to grow weary, to grow tired, with toil, with burdens or grief. Notice also, he says to labor among you. That's the believer. My responsibility is to you, to this church, Community Baptist Church. It's not to those without. Not in the same sense of that shepherding responsibility. Jesus said to John, feed my sheep. My responsibility is to you. Not those uh, outside, and, and 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 you guys know as much as is uh, you know. I wish I could multiply myself and meet all of your extended family's needs. It's not possible. I'm to labor among you. First Thessalonians two seven and nine. He he's talked about this. Turn back over there for a second. First Thessalonians two. Again, it gives it gives us Paul gives us this idea of what it's like to be a shepherd, what it means. And, and in this passage, we we hit on this before, and and I want to just recap it again. He says, "But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives." Because you had become dear to us. You know, Paul likens this responsibility of laboring uh, with the sheep as that of a, of a nursing mother. And it was funny, we uh, in Sunday school this morning, uh, Ken Ham was talking about uh, one of the cultural confusions from Australia to America. He said one time they had an American teenager visiting their house and uh, to illustrate one of the cultural differences, here's what he said to the young teenage girl. Would you like to nurse our baby? And the girl was shocked, and so he thought, well, that's, that's fine. Hey, I'll, I'll nurse the baby. It's okay. She was even more shocked. <laughs> the word nursing in their culture, in their language, means to hold the baby. He was saying to her, well, do you want to hold the baby? But she heard, do you want to breastfeed the baby? <laughs> no, thank you. And especially when he offered even more of a shock, right? But what Paul's talking about here in this text is, and you know the picture, the, the, the mother nursing a child, giving a child the nourishment, the love, the gentleness, the care that's needed so that that baby can grow. Part of my responsibility as a shepherd laboring among you is to nurse you, in a sense, with the Word of God, the milk. You should desire the milk of the Word of God. And just like a nursing baby, as they begin to grow, they move beyond milk. 
And so my desire, my heart as a, as a, as a shepherd is that you would get beyond the milk and get onto some meat and grow. And so part of my responsibility is to labor among you to help in that. And that's like a nursing mother, gentle. Sometimes that means being on call 24 hours a day. I got four kids. I remember a Mennonites and thinking, oh Lord, I am so glad you did not design me for nursing. My poor wife, you know. And it's funny, because anybody who has multiple children, I can confession here, all right? Any of you have more than one kid. You know how those guys were, ladies, when we first started out. Oh, yeah. Oh, can I, can I get something? Can I help? Can I, you know, let me get the pillow behind your head, honey, while you do this. Can I get you something to drink? By kid two? <laughs> I'm just being honest. I thank you for not amening, honey. I appreciate it. <laughs> but... Um, a responsibility as a shepherd is to help in that nourishment, in that growth. You know, there should be a major effort on my behalf as a pastor because it deals with eternal matters. Yeah, I understand. I, I can do nothing apart from Christ. Ultimately, God is the one who must do the work in our hearts and do our, in our lives. But you know what? That doesn't negate me of my responsibility to pour my life into you, to encourage you, to seek to, to give you the nourishment of God's Word to help you grow by. And so Paul is writing and, and he's telling us this. And notice what else. He says that my responsibility is to be the servant to the sheep. And sometimes that comes through delegating responsibility. Think about it. Paul's already sent Timothy back over there. You'll find this throughout his ministry. He says, appoint uh, uh, amongst yourself elders. He, he goes through and he, he gives them instruction because Paul realized he can't do all this by himself. And so part of my responsibility as a shepherd is to delegate that responsibility. And many of you have stepped up. Many of you serve and help and, and fulfill those calls in, in your life where you're gifted. And praise the Lord. Because that's the way God's designed the church. He's gifted every one of us with a spiritual gift. And if you are not actively utilizing your spiritual gift in this local body, have you bought excuses? Has the devil given you an excuse that you bought? Well, I don't serve or I don't do this because... The Word of God makes it clear. If you're born again, you have a spiritual gift. Gift. And the point of that spiritual gift is to be used in the body of Christ. You say, well, I don't know my spiritual gift. Well, step in and serve, volunteer, help do something. God, will, He's not wanting to keep that hidden from you. You'll begin to understand quickly where you're gifted, where you can help, where you can serve. But point one speaks to my responsibility is, is laboring with the sheep. But I also know me, and I know my own personal battles. I know that, again, those mountaintops, and I know those valleys. I'm reminded of the words of Amy Carmichael who wrote, God, harden me against myself. 
the coward with pathetic voice who craves for ease and rest and joy. Myself, each traitor, arch-traitor to myself. My hollowest friend, my deadliest foe, my clog, whatever road I go. Do you hear those words? God hard me against myself, the coward with pathetic voice who craves for ease and rest and joy. Myself, arch-traitor to myself, my hollowest friend, my deadliest foe, my clog, whatever road I go. Oh, Satan will give me excuses. But it does not change my responsibility. We all have a responsibility. Point two, I have a responsibility to labor with the sheep, but also have a responsibility to lead the sheep. Notice that second phrase. He says, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. God says, according to His Word, that the pastor is to be over you. That word is the Greek word proistemi. It means to have authority. It's used in 1 Timothy 3, three times, verses 4, 5, and 12. 1 Timothy 5, 17, it speaks of, in regards to the elder, the pastor of the church. God says in His Word that the pastor is to be in charge, to have authority. It's a delegated authority by Christ. It's not a self-appointed authority. Very important to understand that this is a responsibility, delegated authority by Christ, under shepherds, under the great shepherd. John MacArthur said in regards to this passage, notice it says, MacArthur goes on and says, we have charge over you. We have charge over you. We preside over you. We lead you. We direct you. We have the responsibility to give you spiritual wisdom, spiritual protection, spiritual direction, spiritual guidance. It's our responsibility to cover all those kinds of things, to take care of the general health of the church, to set the group spirit, the group morale, the spiritual tone, to bring about a functioning unity, to handle people and personal relationships and all their difficulties in life, to solve problems by discovering problems, evaluating options, finding solutions, working for change. It's our responsibility to do creative planning, strategy, assessment, analysis, criticism, find methods to reach spiritual objectives. It's our responsibility to provide that leadership for you. We have charge over you. Please notice the little phrase, in the Lord. Don't miss that phrase, in the Lord. We're not self-appointed. It's not man-made. You didn't give us that authority. We didn't take it on our own. It's not from men. We are called, equipped, appointed by God. It's our duty 
to rule for His sake. The Lord's sake. Not for personal power, personal prestige, personal gain, personal career, advancement, but for the Lord. That little phrase, in the Lord, is the sphere in which our authority rests. Our authority is in Him. He delegated it to us. We only have it as we're obedient to His Word and His will. We have a delegated authority. It's not our own, and it does not go beyond the expression of His will in His Word and through His Spirit. And so we are given authority, but only in the Lord, not beyond that. End quote. You hear me say it all the time. Don't take my word for it. You have a responsibility to look into the Scripture, to examine the Word, to see if what I say is true. I have a responsibility also. According to Scriptures, there's many, many passages that lay at my feet my responsibility before the Lord. I have a responsibility not to lord over you. Yes, God has invested in me the responsibility and has given the authority to lead, but He's also instructed me very strongly that I'm not to lord that authority over you. So I seek to labor among you, and I hope and desire to lead you by example through life, according to the Word of God, in accord with the will of God, to gently lead, Correct, encourage, build up, etc. Point three, not only do I have a responsibility to labor with the sheep, to lead the sheep, but also to admonish the sheep. To admonish the sheep. This word here, admonish, is the word nutheteo. It means to warn. It means to exhort or instruct. Admonish. It is instruction with a view towards correction. And y'all just thought the pastor was just a killjoy. My responsibility is just to rain on your parade. No! Somebody left a sticky note up here. It said, uh, sinners in the the hand of an angry pastor. No! It's not my responsibility... Uh, in that sense, but I have the responsibility to lead, correct, encourage, build up. And according to this, I have a responsibility to instruct with a view towards correction. Don't confuse, confuse anger and passion, which I often get mistaken for. <laughs> the Lord often gives insight. Like, for example... I, I, I don't know, I, I try to verbalize this sometime and it, and it doesn't always come out right. So, so in an illustration, it's like a parent. Now think about it, parents. Those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about. Little Johnny doesn't quite understand why you're correcting them. Little Johnny doesn't quite understand why you're trying to steer them away from potential harm or something that they really don't need. They might want it, but you know what's better, Right? And so if you love your child, you may hurt their feelings because you're not going to give in to M&M's for breakfast. 
right? I mean, I want M&M's for breakfast. But you don't need M&M's for breakfast. But I want M&M's for breakfast. You know, not that any church people don't, uh, <laughs> but I want worship music in the... No, I'm just... It's not what I'm saying. But in a sense, oftentimes, as a child doesn't quite understand what they need, the parent does. God gives that kind of discernment into the parent to see what's needed, what's best. And I believe He does that in pastors oftentimes too. Sometimes you may not understand why we need to go this direction. The word admonish is that word. It means to, to warn, to exhort, to, to correct with the idea uh, of instruction. The Lord often gives uh, that insight for those potential problems. Maybe you don't see them. It's to warn. It's to, don't go this way. Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 4.14 of, of, of how a father instructs his beloved children. So, see, even we find that illustration in the Word of God. A parent instructing his child. He says this, Paul telling the Corinthians that I taught you like a father teaching beloved children. I admonished you. Even though I know some of you are old enough to, to be my grandparents, spiritually speaking, though, I have a fathering responsibility to you as a, spiritual, as a spiritual father. Many of you specifically, if I've led you to Christ, even more so do I feel that burden and that responsibility. That's the heart of a pastor. And so we have that responsibility as a shepherd to admonish the sheep. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may, may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Again, part of my responsibility. I've got to hold fast to the word of God. It doesn't matter my opinion. You don't come to church to hear my opinion. You come to church to hear the Word of God. Amen? And so I want to be faithful in proclaiming the Word of God. And guess what that does sometimes? It offends you. Sometimes it bothers you. Sometimes if you sit in a counseling session and I, and I try to correct you towards a view of instruction to help you because maybe you're just not seeing what you need and, and, and trying to help as a pastor to steer you in that direction... It's hard. But I gotta hold fast to the faithful word, and it has to be taught. And I gotta be able by sound doctrine, not by my opinion, but by thus saith the Lord. This is why we need to go this direction. And I need to both exhort and convict. It's sort of a positive and a negative. I have a responsibility according to scripture, according to Ephesians 4, to equip you. To do the work of the ministry. I need to build you up. Well, how am I going to build you up? Part of my responsibility is to the edification of the saints. How do I build you up? Acts 20.32 says this. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. 
Did you hear what's able to build you up? The Word of God. You want to be edified? Do you need encouragement? Do you need to be built up in your life? Are you in one of those valleys? Let me encourage you this morning. It's thus saith the Lord. It's the Word. It's the Word of God. And this is what needs to be, uh, this is what needs to be in us. If you abide in my word, he said, my word abides in you. You'll bear much fruit. One of the other things that came to me this week, and again, this is one of those where you just you just sit back and you say, Man, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Was this article um and it's entitled, A Day in the Life of a Pastor. A Day in the Life of a Pastor. It's Thursday morning. Pastor Doug has a clear calendar. An aberration in his busy schedule. Actually, the calendar is not really clear. He has set aside time to finish his sermon for Sunday. His Bible is open. Study aids are nearby. He begins to study. Then the phone rings. His assistant tells him about a car accident involving a family in the church. The ambulances are already on the way to the hospital. Doug leaves all of his study material on his desk and jumps into the car. On the way to the hospital, his assistant calls him again. The entire Godsey family of five was in the car. None are seriously hurt except Gary the father and husband of the family. His condition is grave. (coughs) Pastor Doug walks into the emergency room, waiting room. The family has just been told that their husband and father did not make it. They see their pastor and run to him sobbing, In total shock, Doug is there for them. He stays with the entire family for three hours until he's certain that enough people are around to care for them. The afternoon. He stops by his home to see his wife and grab a quick sandwich. It's now afternoon. He's not sure if he can return to his sermon preparation, but he knows he must. He must fight the emotional exhaustion of the morning and finish the message. But as he walks back to the church, his assistant apologetically tells him that two people need to speak with him. They consider it urgent. Doug meets with the two men. One of them is the worship leader of the church. He's struggling with his ministry and is considering giving up. For two hours, Doug listens, consoles, and attempts to encourage the staff member. The next visitor then catches Doug off guard. George is one of the key lay leaders in the church. Doug considers him a friend and an incredibly vitally, uh, vital person in the overall leadership of the congregation. George struggles to speak. My wife is having an affair. There are no more words for 15 minutes. Just tears and sobs. Doug stays with George for over two hours. They pray together. They talk about the next steps. It's nearly five o'clock in the afternoon. Doug is too drained 
to attempt to get back to his sermon. Instead, he begins to look at his crowded email inbox. He cringes when he sees one of the senders of an email. But he cannot stop himself from opening the message. It's from one of Doug's most frequent critics in the church. She has two complaints. The first irritation was something he said in last Sunday's sermon. The second complaint addressed Doug's failure to visit her sister-in-law who had minor outpatient surgery yesterday. The sister-in-law is not a member of the church and Doug knew nothing about the surgery. And now evening. Pastor Doug shuts the laptop cover and moves to his car slowly. He'll stop by the house to grab a quick bite to eat. He needs to check on the Godsey family. He will stay with them for a while, but he must leave prior to 7.30 when he is to give the invocation for a local high school basketball game. Several people get his attention at the game, so he doesn't get home until after 9 o'clock. He goes to a small study in his home, shuts the door, and begins to cry. Gary Godsey, the father and husband who was killed in the car accident, was Doug's best friend. This was the first chance Doug had to grieve. A call to pray for pastors. The story's true. Only the names have been changed. In a few weeks, I will be initiating a call for church members to pray five minutes a day for their pastor. Will you make a commitment today? Even before the initiative, will you commit just five minutes a day to pray for your pastor? Will you ask others in the church to do so? Will you pray for their strength, protection, wisdom, and families? Will you pray for just five minutes? That was an article by Tom Rayner. And I can relate. Conclusion. I have a responsibility as a shepherd to labor with the sheep, to lead the sheep, to admonish the sheep. What about you? What about you? You have a responsibility according to God's Word. Notice verse 13. You're to recognize those who labor among you Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. It's not about this person, Jeremy. It's about the position. It's one God ordained. Notice it says, for their work's sake. What will be the result? Look at verse 13. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. You know what the result will be? 
peace. Peace. It's not about this person, but it is about the person. The person of Jesus Christ, the ultimate shepherd. Let's honor him by honoring his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this church family. Lord, I know there are many in this congregation that pray faithfully. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for blessing this this community with these believers. Lord, we look at our responsibilities, and especially this week, Lord, I reflect upon my responsibility to labor and to lead, to admonish. And Lord, I realize I cannot do this in my strength, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthen me, Lord, to be a godly leader, to be an example to this flock, to follow you, to submit to you, to your will, to your leadership. Lord, you take us, you direct us, you guide us, you empower us, you embolden us. Fill us with your spirit that we will be the people you want us to be. That we will make a huge impact in Lenore County, Wayne County, surrounding areas, Lord, and communities throughout this state, throughout this world, because we find ourselves in line with your truth. Help us to honor your word. Help us to honor you. Father, I pray that this message would not be plucked away from our hearts, but that we would recognize our responsibility and that we would die to those excuses, that we would find ourselves more committed to the household of faith, to the things of God, to the people of God, to the Word of God. Lord, change us. Transform us from the inside out.